1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
1: Warning. The following episode involves alchemy, treasure hunts, Costco deals, palm reading on babies, And custom t-shirts. Sensitive listeners, please take care.
3: Yeah.
4: My parents are very demanding, they're very funny, but they're fucking tons of work. Am I allowed to test? Yeah. Oh, okay, good.
5: For the record, I am not used to hearing Annie Choi curse. In fact, I'm not really used to seeing her in person. I mostly know Annie as an animated character from the show Brain Pop. And I'm not sure if you know Brain Pop, but my family certainly does. Let's let my younger kid, Ruby, explain.
6: Yeah, so it's like this really cool program where there's either a boy named Tom or a girl named Annie, and there's like this robot named Moby. No, Moby, this isn't a gift for you. I made it for Tasha.
5: Well, you know we're doing the show about Annie, right? Really? Oh, that's really cool. How would you describe Annie?
6: She teaches us a lot about like math and reading and writing and stuff like that. Her pants are always jeans and she is in pigtails.
5: And does she have glasses?
6: Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah. She has glasses. She says in one of the episodes that she is Korean. She's definitely like a very mellow person.
5: But real life Annie, she's about my age with nerd cheek glasses, a warm smile, chunky jewelry.
3: Yeah! I'm in your
7: best And
5: she's definitely funnier and spicier than animated Annie.
4: I don't know where my mom picked up Jesus, but it totally bled into, like, a lot of the things that she does in terms of decor. (laughs) Like, you go to her house and it looks like a Catholic church gift shop. Do you need, like, this many crucifixes? Couldn't we just have one?
5: Instead of teaching me or a robot about the word responsibility.
7: Responsibility is something you should do. Chores at home, homework, following the rules.
5: Today, she's trying to define responsibility for herself.
4: I see other friends whose parents are so independent, you know, and they're like, they're white. Their parents are doing their own thing, going on trips. And like, my mom's literally asking me to buy stuff on Amazon for them because they don't know how to do it.
5: Annie's brother lives near her parents in California while she lives in New York. But because of her family dynamics, the brunt of caring for them falls to her.
4: I think it's like a dynamic with Korean families where the older boy gets to do whatever they want and the younger girl has to literally do everything. It's like classic gender roles.
5: And while she hates the gender dynamic, these are still her parents. She wants to help them.
4: It's a pain in my ass, but it's sort of like, time to return the favor, I guess.
7: Responsibility is something you should do.
4: Which I think is a pretty classic Asian upbringing thing, too. I'm a little bit more Asian than I thought it was, I guess, which is kind of annoying.
5: <laughs> it's like, uh, And as her mom and dad are getting older and a little more helpless, Annie has something she desperately wants to know.
4: Who's going to die first? <laughs> my mom and my dad, because... If there's an answer that I want. It's so dark.
5: <laughs> From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast. I'm Mungesh Shatikadur. Welcome to Skyline Drive. Chapter 1 An Ideal Boy As a kid visiting India, one of the things I remember were these colorful classroom posters that looked like they were pulled from an Indian version of Highlights magazine. Sometimes they teach you Hindi, sometimes they teach you about seasons or bad behaviors to avoid. But the one I really remember was titled
7: An Ideal Boy with Good Habits in Parentheses Under It.
5: As I was trying to find the posters online, I ended up chatting about them with my kid Henry. And this one says an ideal boy gets up early in the morning, salutes his parents, goes for a morning walk, brushes his teeth, helps others.
7: He bathes daily, prays to God, takes meals in time. Like, I guess what it means is like he doesn't snack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an ideal boy.
5: You are an ideal boy. So what do you think about a poster like this? Should we put this up in your room?
7: I mean, it helped me a lot. (laughs) Helped you do what? Salute my parents.
5: (laughs) Of course, the charts and the posters make it all seem very easy. But as we all know, and Annie in particular knows, family isn't easy.
4: I've written... Two books, one is called Happy Birthday or Whatever, and the other one is Shut Up, You're Welcome. They're both books about growing up with my crazy family.
5: Recently, her mom's fallen ill, which means Annie's been traveling back and forth more. And while her dad still works, he essentially leans on Annie's mother for everything else.
4: My dad can't even like make toast. He's like, how does this work? I'm like, it's a machine. You push the button like he can't. It's learned helplessness.
5: So there are day-to-day things Annie worries about, but she's also concerned about the future. One huge hurdle is figuring out what to do with their collection of random stuff.
4: Imagine never having thrown out a pair of shoes from when you were born. So my parents' garage, there's like suitcases with broken wheels, a credenza, two giant filing cabinets, A desk, a sewing table, it's just, like, shit like that. Like, a vacuum cleaner that's, like, that avocado green that was big in the 70s that, like, definitely doesn't work. My dad has a duct tape. It's filled with black mold and Legionnaires' disease. Since moving here in the 70s, they've never thrown a single thing out.
5: In some ways, Annie understands.
4: You know, they grew up at the twilight of the Korean War, So there's very few resources and people were starving and I get it. You you want to hold on to everything. It's like you save every single fucking thing. Like you're never going to see it again.
5: But to Annie, there's something incongruous about how the only truly American value that her parents seem to have picked up over the years was overconsumption.
4: They shop at Costco, which is totally evil. There's only two people, by the way. So like you don't need like a 20 pound bag of flour, but. You know, it's such a good deal, Annie. Like, you gotta buy it. The upbringing of, like, not having enough and the Americanness of, like, having too much. Both of these are inhabiting them. And me trying to be like, you don't need any of this stuff. Annie's dad is a
5: chemist. His job is to take objects like old electronics and junk and estimate how much gold is in them. It's like a super weird niche. He's basically an alchemist. And that's led him to invest in gold. But because Annie's parents are so disorganized, no one seems to know where it is.
4: He just has gold. It's hidden. He told me it's hidden. I mean, it, probably in the garage, right? But he refuses to sell any of it because gold is down. But it's like, I don't know what he's waiting for, you know, cause the man is old. I would like him to sell the gold and actually use that money to like live his life.
5: While making this show, I've been thinking a lot about what we owe our parents what they owe us, our obligations to one another. So I asked my son, Henry, have we ever talked about the four stages of Hindu life?
7: I've not talked about Hindu life at all.
5: <laughs> the first stage is called a brahmacharya, and that means like you're a student. And and so it's like when you're a kid and you're a student and you're supposed to spend all your days in study and, and like really understanding things so that you have a grasp of knowledge.
7: I like that idea better than good grades.
5: That actually brings us to like the second stage of life, being a householder. So it's like taking care of your kids, getting a good job, taking care of your parents, like that type of thing. What do you think about that?
7: That's a great rule. I mean, you also should like love your family and taking care of people is a very important rule in life.
5: And then the third stage of life is, like, once you've gotten your kids married and settled and all that stuff, then you want to retreat from your life, right? So this is when you're older, you want to start getting rid of your stuff, you want to start volunteering, you want to start going to, to temples more or or ashrams. What, what what do you think about that?
7: It It definitely makes sense because after your life has been, like, structured, You're going to want to top it off with some icing on the cake and start to relax. What's the fourth step?
5: The fourth step is is really sort of preparing for death in a way. And so it's spending a lot of time in prayer and meditation and quiet and forests and nature and how should we put it?
7: Yeah, it's like after you've done all that, just take a minute to breathe in that fresh nature air. Pray a little bit so that your afterlife will be nice and healthy. Sit back, watch your grandchildren play, and have last days that you have. Be meaningful.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week
2: Learn
1: more at meaningfulbeauty.com
5: Chapter two Starting Points
7: She said boy you still broke as fuck hold up Not a boy is a fucking man Bitch hold up What is shit chant a yakin man I'm packed bombs like I was from the Dallabitch What the fuck did you say?
5: In Vedic astrology, knowing the minute you're born is key to understanding your life. Because the planets and stars, they're all in constant motion, right? So like the difference of a single minute can dramatically change your personality. It can change your career. It can change your love life. All of your happiness comes down to which specific minute you were born. Henry, do you know what birth sign you are?
6: I'm pretty sure I'm a Virgo.
5: I also asked Ruby.
6: I'm a Aries.
5: What does that mean to you?
6: Um, Well, Aries, they tend to be very cheerful and popular and feisty and um, tall, which is incorrect for our family because me and my mom are definitely not tall. But zodiacs are like there to like tell you like this is who you are. It's not always who you are, and it's also like you could listen to it or you don't have to. Yeah. And uh, I I really don't care about
7: all that. Because you define who you are. Not the day that you were born on.
5: Of course, some people put a whole lot more stock in their star signs than my kids do. And these days it's become more and more common for wealthy Indian parents to game their children's life and their horoscopes through elective C-section. They enlist an astrologer and pick the exact 60 second window that an OBGYN has to deliver that baby.
3: People would just come in and say, OK, I want a delivery on this particular date, this particular time, or this particular hour, so on and so forth.
5: That's Dr. Mukesh Gupta, a Mumbai based obstetrician.
3: With my primary focus on delivering babies. Dr. Gupta is no ordinary
5: OBGYN. When I met him, I noticed all these things sparkling from his shelves. I look around this room and there are like 40 different words. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about uh, just your achievements here?
3: Oh, OK. So I'm a hardcore scientific person, but if the patient wants this and we need to know about this.
5: Yeah, yeah, And
3: we need to learn about this and understand this. Astrology or, but then I I have to not forget about my core competency for which they're coming here. So I cannot compromise this on that.
5: The awards are this visual reminder to patients that he clearly knows what he's doing. Beyond graduating at the top of his medical class, Dr. Gupta has advanced degrees in psychological counseling and a strategy management degree from one of India's top business schools. He heads up ethics boards and chairs state boards for doctors And when politicians in Mumbai were trying to convince the public to heed warnings about COVID and
3: go get their shots, it's Dr. Gupta they put up on the podium. Now, what are these different types of masks? There are simple masks which are available, which are one-ply or two-ply masks, which are easily available.
5: Anyway, despite all these trophies and bona fides, Dr. Gupta still has to contend with his patients' astrological ambitions.
3: The turning point came... When there was a serious situation, when I came out of the delivery room and I informed about the delivery and the good news, and the grandfather of the child who was born was more concerned about the precision of the time, and he was asking me the details at what time the head came out, what time the baby cried, Mm. what time did you cut the cord?
5: The questions alarmed him, especially because delivering this healthy baby had taken almost a miracle.
3: If you want me to look and keep track of all these things, then I, I should not deliver the woman. Then I would just be watching the time and I would be yeah. the time manager. <laughs> the situation
5: would have irritated most people. But because Dr. Gupta thinks deeply about patient care, he tried to look at it from another angle.
3: There is a window of one and a half minutes, mm. okay, after which the things will change. Mm. So the, whether it is a constellation, whether it is chogadias, everything has a window of time.
5: Look, every part of parenting is hard. Bringing a child into this world is hard. Raising a child is hard. There are so many responsibilities. Parents constantly worry that they're not doing enough to advocate for their kids or to secure their futures. And you see the compromises people make all the time to give their kids a better life. And if you really believe in astrology, why wouldn't you adjust the time of your C-section and? Give your child a possible advantage. But that drive can lead parents to some surprising places.
3: There's, there's so many such situations. As we were
5: there's sipping so coffee and talking uh, more about Dr. Gupta's background, the doctor offhandedly told me something that he'd found shocking.
3: There was a incident that this couple had come and they came for an abortion.
5: I knew I'd come here to learn about timed <laughs> births. The
3: same couple. But I
5: had no idea that we'd be discussing terminating pregnancies and the role astrology plays in that. According to Dr. Gupta, this couple came in for a consult. They wanted a family. They wanted to have a child. It's just, they didn't want a child with a bad horoscope. Dr. Gupta shook his head as he told me the story.
3: the child is going to get birth in this month and this particular date. I don't want to have a child at that time.
5: I mean, I'm pro-choice, but I couldn't fathom the logic. Like, if you legitimately want to bring a child into the world... A birth sign shouldn't matter.
3: If somebody tells me to put away all my instincts and information and knowledge, no, I would not. We try to accommodate everybody's beliefs without losing our primary focus of what is the right thing to do.
5: We finished our coffees, and before I let him go, I asked Dr. Gupta one last question about this sonographer from the Middle East with a peculiar side hustle. This specialist claims to read the palms of children in utero and then determines the best moment for their birth. Of course, he charges very wealthy families a bomb for that information. And he refused to speak with me on the record. So I got Dr. Gupta's opinion instead.
3: I have an extremely costly machine, a sonography machine from one of the top companies globally. Mm -hmm. And even with the best of the machines, in the best of things, you cannot really read the lines on the palm.
5: Most fetuses ball their hands into fists, he told me. You almost never see a palm in the womb.
3: So it's a myth. So that is probably a very smart ass who's trying to make money out of someone. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Re listening to this tape now makes me think of Annie and this time in grad school. One of her friends just kind of grabbed her hand and.
4: She like read my palm and she was like. You're going to die really early. And I'm like, why would you tell me that?
5: (laughs) And then another friend jumped in to peek and...
4: She's like, yeah, you're going to die early. And I'm like, why do people tell me this? I I was like laughing because the lines of my weird ass palms, what does early even mean?
5: Annie jokes that she started wearing gloves after that just to avoid another surprise reading.
4: You never know where they are lurking around the corner, these palm readers.
5: Chapter three. Killing them softly. Wait, <laughs> have you had a- encounters with astrology previously? Yes,
1: of course well, I have.
5: You have? Of course. Well, tell me from the first time. Like, when What was the first time that you...
1: Um... Uh, how much time do you have?
5: It's the end of summer. My sister and I haven't talked much since my dad's passing. We've been distracting ourselves in different ways. She's been busy planning her wedding. I've been traveling for the show. Our rare conversations have been around tense subjects, how to help her mom, how to deal with life insurance or close my dad's accounts. Shanta's younger than me, and we're similar in a lot of ways. We laugh at the same jokes. We've both inherited the same family beat. We went to the same schools and colleges. Even took some classes together. We both go to extreme lengths to help the people we love. But I found a way where we're nothing alike. No one has ever fallen deathly ill trying to cast my horoscope. So Amama, our grandma, wanted me to get my horoscope read. Our Amama is our mom's mom. And after Shanta was done with college, she sent Shanta's details off to this legendary astrologer in Darwad.
1: And he was kind of an older man. Known
5: for his skill at reading charts.
1: He died in the middle of reading this, this horoscope, which wasn't great.
5: Then my grandmom tried to send Shanta's birth details to the former astrologer's apprentice.
1: And then he got really sick while well, apparently like my horoscope was in front of him and he And I heard about that and I was like, okay, no, like no more people reading my horoscope. This seems like a really bad thing.
5: I didn't remember any of this, but it left a lasting impression on Shanta.
1: So I've always been like, okay, there's something out there that I'm not supposed to know my horoscope because I never get to see it. It's almost like you don't need to know more. That's how I interpret it.
5: I can't believe my sister was satisfied with not getting her reading back. That would make me crazy. I'd only want to know my forecast even more. It drove my mom's mom crazy too, because she really just wanted to hear someone tell her, your granddaughter will get married by such and such a date. So she started pounding the pavement for other leads and dragging my sister across Bangalore to various astrologers.
1: They were never very specific about stuff with me. So one of the guys, he gave a lot of information about my health, but then when it came to when I was going to marry someone, he said, her life before 30 will be good and her life after 30 will be good. And Amamo was very dissatisfied with that answer. How old are you? How old am I now? 41. And you're getting married? Yes. <laughs> so it, my life before was good and my life after is good. I mean, it was accurate. <laughs> Just not specific enough.
5: When I hear this tape, it makes me feel like we're typical Indians, but we're really not. I mean, in American pop culture, The way Indians are represented, there are only two or three storyline tropes. There's the kid who secretly wants to be an artist, but his parents want him to be an engineer. Or there's the kid who wants to date someone of a different class or a non-Indian, but their family doesn't approve, or they think their family won't approve, and that causes all sorts of anxiety. But I never related to any of those tropes because my family wasn't like that. They were really progressive. My great-grandfathers were kicked out of the community church for educating their daughters, and for sending their sons to college overseas, and for rebelling against the notion of caste, that only Brahmins like them deserved certain services. On the other hand, my Amama literally could not rest until she knew my sister's future was secured. I don't think she cared if Shanta's prospective husband was Muslim or Jewish or white or black. It's just that my grandma wanted her on a path towards settling down, having kids. There was no way in her mind that my sister, this accomplished psychology professor, could possibly feel whole unless she got married. These traditional Hindu ideas of duty and life, they were an obstacle for my grandmother, hindering her from leading that quieter fourth stage where she could peacefully spend her time in serious meditation and contemplation before passing. Or as my dad used to call it, cramming for finals. Chapter four, don't make me relive the 90s. As I'm waiting for Annie and our astrologer Janelle to hop on the line for Annie's reading, I think back to that question Annie wanted answered. Which of her parents is going to die first?
4: I want my mom to live longer, 100%, 100%.
5: Whatever you might want or think you want, do you really want to know if you get it? Shanta made a really good point Sometimes you don't really need to know the future. Anyway, that's in the back of my mind as we get going.
8: You are a Virgo sun, a Virgo moon, and a Virgo rising. That's pretty rare for someone to have all three of their major legs, sun, moon, and rising in one sign.
5: As usual, even through the screen, Janelle radiates warmth and comfortable energy.
8: (laughs) When I think about Virgo, I think about Beyonce, right? Tireless practice. You never turn off your mind because you're always thinking about what do I have to do next? How do I plan? How do I get ahead? Which is great, but could also be very tiring.
5: (laughs) She does seem tired to me. Tired of having to deal with these problems. Tired of being the organized one who has to carry everyone's anxiety and swoop in to solve issues that don't have to be issues.
8: Okay, so do you want to dive into the parent question first, or are there other things you want to talk about before that?
4: No, I mean, the parent question is certainly, you know, one that's been on my mind. My mom mm-hmm. um had a second uh, open-heart surgery, which meant the whole family had to go through that again, which means me, particularly as the only daughter, to mm-hmm. be the one bearing a lot of the um caring duties. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep her alive, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have her, you know – um follow directions and stick to the strict diet that she's on, what she hates doing. And you know, all those like very annoying things to do for yourself. And now you're trying to get someone else to do it. It's like, I can't even do that myself. As
5: Annie makes these confessions, Janelle starts looking for Annie's parents in her chart.
8: I'm wondering if you and your mom have somewhat of a complicated relationship in terms of her larger-than-life presence can also feel kind of overbearing at times. Um, and I don't know if this is something where one parent or both parents kind of thrown kind of like cold water on your dreams in a way. And you had to kind of fight to overcome that. But at the same time, there's some really great career stuff happening in your life.
4: Um, Today, our company just got sold. <laughs>
8: You do have Jupiter and Aries right now in the house of other people's money, so selling the business, so money that comes from the business. (laughs) That's great, right? Yeah. yeah. But I do think financially, it almost feels like in your chart right now, it feels like your money is disappearing in weird ways. (laughs) 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 Not to make you scared, but if you're like, I don't know, like, is it being siphoned off?
5: Annie had helped her parents out in a pinch, loaning them money to buy a new car, but now they're probably going to need help with medical bills.
4: I mean, the thing is, we have the money, but it's in solid
8: gold form. You show up as someone who serves behind the scenes, or mm-hmm. you do the work and no one really knows, and you know, you're know you not getting a lot of praise for it, but that can also be a lot of frustration too.
5: Janelle sympathizes with Annie, but she also lets her know she's probably been here before.
8: So for you, Saturn moving into Pisces is going to be in your seventh house of relationships. So Saturn takes about 30 years to get around the wheel. So you might (laughs) want to think about, well, what was happening in 1993 to about 95, 96, because this is a re-up, a redo of that story. Oh no. (laughs) Don't make me relive the 90s again.
5: (laughs) While Annie contemplates a time of too much flannel and bucket hats, Janelle focuses the conversation on Annie's life specifically. As it turns out, when Annie was in college, her mom was fighting off cancer.
8: Now we have 30 years, so mom's a little bit older now, right? right. So this might be a tougher go around because time has passed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also timing as such, if mom, and this is not to spook you in any way, but if mom chooses that she's ready to leave, that's not something that you can control either, right?
5: That line, chooses to leave, catches my ear. Janelle phrases it so delicately, it knocks me back.
8: So this is a very big existential crisis kind of Saturn where you're just like, what is life, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why is life, why is this happening? Like, this is a situation that's gonna be very challenging emotionally for us. And are we gonna lean into our analytical, try to fix everything, or are we just gonna feel it? Right, right, yeah. Don't beat yourself up. Like, this is not helpful, Annie. This is not constructive. Like, who cares? (laughs) I'm tired. I'm sad. (laughs) You know? I want to cry in bed today. Yeah. (laughs) So if that comes up for you, try not to beat yourself up so much, okay? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
2: Learn more
1: at MeaningfulBeauty.com
5: Chapter 5 She's a Real Beast
7: yeah.
5: What do you think about when Mama and I get older?
7: Hopefully uh, I plan to start a family or like uh, you know, like you guys are my family but I plan to get married and have a younger generation. Uh,
5: you want to be a dad?
7: Yeah, definitely. I love
6: kids. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and uh what about um what about with us like when we are Anima's age?
6: I think we would definitely take care of you and if you were like in like a oh, little well, money when you retire you're not really working anymore, we'd probably give you some. Once you guys get around retirement age, I'll be like, eh, you do you.
7: But once you get over the age of 75, you guys get a couple of at my place.
5: I smile when I hear this. And then I look around Henry and Ruby's messy room where we're taping. If I'm going to move in with them when I'm 75, we've got to teach them how to tidy up. Janelle's left the chat and I'm sitting with Annie for the debrief. I know Annie's a skeptic.
4: I'm not like a big astrology person. I'm too Virgo for that.
5: <laughs> and the reading was a little heavier than I was expecting. So I'm curious how she's feeling. Was there anything you heard that was surprising?
4: I didn't know about like the 30 years coming back mm. to things. I thought that was kind of bizarre and interesting. Um, so like my mom having cancer. I'm like, oh, yeah. And it's like coming back to her heart situation now.
5: In that period, did you have to be as present as you've been now?
4: Not really, because at the time I was in college. So I didn't have the same responsibilities. They also like hid it for me, which is classic classic Asian family. Yeah, yeah. You must get A's at college. So I'm just not going to tell you that I'm like secretly in chemo and it's sucking for me. Oh my God. Um, So I know, right. It's like the worst. Don't do that to your kids, please. So um, I think like then I felt helpless. Mm. So this time around, I'm feeling a little too helpful.
5: (laughs) Parents hiding things from you to let you focus on your studies. Yeah. I know that all too well. When I was in college, my dad lost his job. My parents had never really saved for schooling. And when I found this out, I felt guilty about being at a school I knew my parents couldn't afford because I didn't really have a sense of how bad their finances were at first. I knew they took loans. I took out loans. Later, I found out they borrowed money from friends to make sure Shanta could get the same opportunity I did. It's incredible how they made things work and tried to give us a sense of normalcy. But more than that, they never pressured either of us to go to a field that would make a lot of money. They just wanted us to learn and grow and do something worthwhile with our lives. It's such a gift and a debt I'll never pay back in full.
8: Mom being sick sucks, right? It sucked the first time, it sucks the second time. It's annoying, it's frustrating, it's scary.
5: <laughs> I was so worried that Annie would feel like the challenges ahead were insurmountable. But she took it in stride. From talking to her parents about finances and what to do with all this gold.
4: Yeah, yeah. They don't, you can't like go to Kaiser and be like, hey, here's a bullion. Like, I don't know how much it's worth.
5: <laughs> that Annie is so resilient is hardening to me. My real worry is that Annie knows she can deal with her mom.
4: She's a real beast. Yeah. I have no yeah. doubt that she'll, like, come out of this, you know, a new person. Or a better, stronger, healthier, new heart, who Yeah, lady.
5: But her dad's another story. They don't see eye to eye. And while we never explicitly asked Janelle to tell us who might die first, the thing I heard in the reading was Janelle bracing Annie for the worst.
4: I mean, honestly, like my dad has to die first. My mom literally does everything. I think I just need to like get him to start smoking again or, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) have that burger. Like, you should go to In and Out. I don't know how else to do this because I've never met an adult man more ill prepared to live independently in my life. Yeah.
5: The truth is, I don't think the years ahead are going to be easy for Annie. There's so many health concerns that will ultimately land on our plate. There's so much stuff in that garage. <laughs> There's a lot of gold to locate.
4: You know, Cranes will never going to say, I'm happy. I'm having a great time. It's such an Instagram influencer thing, which I do not get. Like, look at my great life what i do is like look how shitty my life is right now i'm look at this piece of trash i found you know <laughs> in my mom's house like look at this like that's like my whole vibe
5: <laughs> chapter 6 i can't make you happy i can't make you sad that night when my sister and i were together the conversation slipped towards my dad i mean How could it not? We told each other little things my dad had revealed in the hospital, in his moments of weakness on those last few days. That's when she told me this.
1: He had to, it was, at that point I was trying to get him to go to the bathroom. Dad, you should probably try and go to the bathroom. I can help you up and you have to walk and whatever. And I was like, kind of, mom had told me to be a little pushy. So I was like trying to get him to do it. And he looked to me and he was like, I can't make you happy, and I can't make you sad.
5: My dad was an incredibly sweet and good-natured man, but he could be hard to read. He didn't like to talk about the past. Most of what my sister and I know about his childhood isn't gleaned from him or even my mom. It's stories we've stitched together from family members in India, How he was so smart that he went to college at age 12. How he was a really good table tennis player and used to be a practice partner for some of Bombay's top talent. How he starred in college radio plays and was a backup singer in a Rolling Stones cover band. I mean, the stories were wild and funny. And going to India, hearing these anecdotes, it all brought us closer to him. When we used to ask my dad about these tales, which honestly felt like fiction to us, he'd kind of laugh and reluctantly admit they'd happened, or he'd the subject. But if he didn't talk about his achievements, he definitely didn't talk about his hardships, how lost he was without a mom, how he felt abandoned at boarding schools, how once he came to the US to get a PhD, He kept pushing off going back to Goa to take over the family businesses, the ones my grandfather had worked so hard to build for his family. My dad resented these businesses for taking up all my grandfather's attention. I could imagine his loneliness, that there were deep pockets of sadness we just never saw or understood. Because my dad's way of dealing with sadness wasn't to yell or to act out or to share but just to go quiet.
1: And I said, dad, I'm not sad about anything. And he was like, no, Shanta, I can't make you happy and I can't make you sad. And I was like, no, dad, like I'm just asking you to go to the bathroom. It's gonna be okay.
5: But Shanta knows what he means. He's clearly not talking about the bathroom.
1: And I was trying to think of like an analogy, you know, to help him put it into perspective. So I was like, dad, when your dad died, it was probably pretty hard for you. You were okay and you bounced back and life goes on and you're gonna be okay. So I was like, yeah, I'll be sad when you die, but you know, it'll be okay.
5: My dad who could be so tight-lipped in that moment.
1: He was like, no Shanta, when dad died, I was sad and I was happy. I was sad because he was gone, but I was happy because I could never make him happy. And that was really heartbreaking.
5: The thing that's only occurred to me since having children is, as a parent, you prioritize what you didn't get from your parents and you discount the things you did. And for whatever shortcomings my dad might've had, he never hesitated to show us love. He couldn't walk past us without tussling our hair or kissing our heads. He attended every recital and performance and tournament he could. And when we surprised him with a trophy or an award or some ridiculous invention we glued and duct-taped together, he didn't always say much, but he beamed with pride. That day in the hospital, Shanta took the opportunity to tell him.
1: dad, you know... Whether you tell us or not, whether you say it out loud, I know you're proud of us. And I know you're proud of and I know you're proud of me. And he shook his head and he said love.
5: (laughs) That moment got me wondering, do we show our kids enough love? Do they know how much they mean to us? Do you think you and Henry make me and mama proud?
6: Yeah, I do. I do think we do. Thank you, Brad. Because, like, also, like, Aju's father was, like, a hard parent.
5: Aju is what my kids call my dad. It's a Konkani word for grandfather.
6: Like, his mom died at a very young age, but his dad was just like, oh, you look like my wife, but, you know, I can't have you around here.
5: I'd forgotten about this until Ruby mentioned it. It's true. My grandmother, who I never met and died just a year after my father was born, famously had this warm and magnetic personality. My granddad was so in love with her, he could never bring himself to remarry. And her face haunted him. He could see her and their children. And as much as my grandfather loved my dad and his sister, his heart broke over and over each time he looked at them.
6: So I think if if you had like a dad like you... He definitely would have felt like the way me and Hannah were, do, where like, we do feel like we've lived up to the expectations, and we do feel like we've made you fat. Mad.
5: As I talked with my kids about life, about my dad, it became apparent how I'm not the only one feeling the loss. In fact, Henry still wears a shirt that says, Aju Power, this t-shirt my father-in-law made for all of us, to raise my dad's spirits. What, what does that mean to you?
7: So my grandpa on my other side made a T-shirt for my grandpa who was dying from cancer. And uh I love that shirt because my grandpa was a great man and... And that shirt showed we were there for him. He is now deceased. But hopefully he's looking down at us and looking at that shirt and uh, he's happy.
5: Oh, Henry, I, I love you so much.
7: I love you too.
5: And drive is a production of Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast. This show is hosted and written by me, Mungesh Atikler. But I'm hoping you know by now, a show is not one person, and so I've got a million people to thank. Mary Phillips Sandy is our incredible supervising producer. Thank you so much for finding Annie, Mary. Mitra Banshahi somehow made time to produce for us in between dealing with her frisky new puppy. Mark Lotto is the very best story editor, even though he cut a really funny story about hearing aids. I am not holding a grudge against him. This episode was also produced and mixed by the insanely talented Anna Rubinova, who sat with me through way too many video sessions. Scoring, as always, from Botany, everyone who's upset that they don't know where to find the show's theme song, check out Botany's SoundCloud. Thank my kiddos, Henry and Ruby, for being pretty great kids, and for my parents-in-law, John and Betty, for making and sending those Aju Power t-shirts, they really meant a lot to us, as you heard. The warning, for some reason, Rachel Kong, the incredible writer behind Goodbye Vitamin, which is one of my favorite books, agreed to do our warning. Her beautiful book about parents and kids and memory and forgiveness is out. You should go pick it up today. Gotta thank my friends at Azadi Records, Mumbai's dopest label. Also my brother Himanshu Suri for lending us his tunes and Kaju Suri, the most fashionable dog out in Strong Island. Special thanks to my pals P and Jay for motor sales. Their song closes out this episode. Thank you to my sister Shanta Artigula for getting on mic and sharing more than maybe she wanted. And also Dr. Gupta, who is an extraordinary OBGYN. Additional production and research support from the wonderful Dhruv Shivarao, Lizzie Jacobs, my very understanding wife, uh, Suman Park Lane in the Fast Lane, Bakshi, and my sweetheart of a cousin, Arjun Bakshi. The show is executive produced from iHeart by my good pals, Nikki Etor and Katrina Norvell. Also gotta thank my wonderful partners from Kaleidoscope who have been so supportive, Oswald Lishan, Kate Osborne, Costas Linos, and Vahini Shori. Special thanks to Ali, Nathan, Connell, Will, and Bob at iHeart for getting behind this show. Uh, Barkley and Sara, Rachel and Rins, my family everywhere. And as always, a big thank you to my Amma and my dad, Lalita and Umesh, who I thank my lucky stars for. Thank you for bearing with me and thank you for listening.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
1: Elevated.